Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland, and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness. And they come in five different flavors. They're so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I just I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game, and it's good for you. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight, the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com ACAST. That's greenlight.com ACAST. This episode is sponsored by Try Vegan, a vegan meal home delivery service that is nutritious and delicious and makes your life easier. Based out of New Jersey, they deliver throughout the Northeast. Check out more details on their website, tryveganmealprep.com. And you can get 25% off your first order with the promo code LITYOGA. So go vegan. Good movement, and welcome to Redefining Yoga, a lit yoga podcast, which is designed to investigate all aspects of the modern evolution of yoga from my background as a physical therapist and lover of movement. My mission is to help everyone find freedom through stronger and safer movement patterns so together we can be uplifted, benefiting all beings. Today is Friday with friends, and I have a very new friend, Mr. James Whiteside. James is also known as JB Dubs, and something else I'll have to ask him about. He is an American ballet dancer, choreographer, model, drag queen, and recording artist. He's a former principal dancer with Boston Ballet and is currently a principal dancer with American Ballet Theater. Welcome, James. Hello, hello. How are you doing? I'm doing well in this kind of weird time. So we're still in a pandemic, duh. I mean, there's a lot I'd love for. First of all, I want to just talk about like, what is that like as a as a performer? You know, I I'm, know you're practicing online and even teaching virtually, but I'm sure a big part of your career is actually performing on stage. So what has this been like having to pivot in this massive way for you? Well, our last day of work was March 13th and we were getting ready for, I think, four uh, national tours, uh, which were all canceled. Uh, and uh, March 13th is the last day I've, I was in a ballet studio. All the studios are closed. We are unable to gather. It's like it's just not it's not the right place to gather. You know, a bunch of sweaty dancers in a in a humid room is not really the safest way to work. So uh, I've been doing as much as I can, but unfortunately, our our spring season was canceled, and now our fall season has been canceled. So I am fun employed. I'm enjoying collecting unemployment, and I've been doing everything I can to stay active. But uh, frankly, it's tragic. My job has been completely erased. Yes, I, I, I'm, I was thinking about 
uh, my husband and I were driving back last night and we stopped to get some gas and we were around all these like restaurants and mall. It was like a mall type thing. And then there's a cinema there and it just is dead. It's, it's weird to actually get out of the house and then witness it firsthand. And it made me think of all the gatherings, like can't go to the movies, can't go to the theater. You know, it's, it's, it's a very strange time. And, and while we, we are adaptable as humans, it's also can be like super depressing. And, oh, it's incredibly depressing. <laughs> yeah, because that's community. That's where you, you know, you get your popcorn and watch the movies or you go and you watch your favorite show, theater, ballet, and then all of the things that are involved in that. And it's, it's taken away from us right now. And, and, you know, I think the hard thing is we don't know when we're going to get it back. I mean, I'm in a yo- I own a yoga studio and it's the same thing. Like I can't imagine even if they lifted the orders and said we could have yoga classes, I can't imagine anyone would want to come into a room. It's not maybe quite, eh, it can be just as sweaty as you're, you know, in your dance room, but um, it's just doesn't seem conscientious to, to allow that. Um, and I think until we get some more clarity on how, how to, you know, with a vaccine or something, we are going to be in this position. So besides being depressed about it and collecting employment, I like that. What are some other things that you're finding? Like, is it hard to keep the level of intense fitness that is involved in your, in your job? It's impossible. So just a little context here. I have never stopped since I was nine years old. I've never stopped. Uh, Probably a week the most. Um, But I am always taking ballet classes. I'm always rehearsing. I'm always performing. Uh, So this is, without a doubt, the longest stretch I have ever gone and probably will ever go before my retirement. And it is impossible to stay in performance shape because I can't get into a dance studio. And a kitchen is great to to uh, exercise in, but it doesn't even come to a. There's no comparison. It, it, there's just no comparison. Yeah, it's a fraction of a fraction of what I usually do. Wow. So it's it, what I've been doing though to try and not can be completely morose. Is my friend Isabella and I? She's also a principal dancer uh, in ABT. We've been doing online classes uh, for charities. So three days a week, we we do a ballet class on Instagram Live on my Instagram channel. The kids, like five to ten thousand kids, tune in and take classes, and then ask their parents if they can donate to the charity that we picked. And we've had guest artists come in. It's been really, really a sweet way to not hate yourself during this time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's beautiful because you're doing something of service. Um, in such a powerful way, but you're right. It is, it's, I think that's actually in one of my podcasts I was talking about, that's kind of one very effective way of getting out of your own, like you said, kind of depressed depression and being of service in some way. And this is a a beautiful way of doing it. Well, let's talk about something maybe a little bit lighter um, here. Not to, Sounds good. Not to not to sit, ignore the, the you know the reality. But can you first tell me how you how you how did you get into dance? Did you know like you said nine years old? Was that something like you saw some dancing or were you signed up for dance classes? How did you how did you discover dance and your love for it? So I honestly I was a very active kid. My parents really 
really tried to get me into sports. I did baseball, soccer, gymnastics. Um, gosh, I don't know, a bunch of like Cub, Cub Scouts and stuff. And I hated everything. I really was so bad. It was embarrassing. But I loved music. And um, I used to dance before I knew what dancing was. Uh, and one day, actually, my mom threw me a phone book. She chucked me the phone book and said, please find something to do. You're driving me insane. And so that's what I did. I found an ad for a dance studio and she brought me in and I took some trial classes and I immediately fell in love with it. It truly like just blew my mind how much fun I was having. And uh, I pretty much just took dance classes every day since that moment. Now, uh, where did you grow up? I grew up in Fairfield, Connecticut. And uh, my parents divorced when I was two. So I lived with my mom in Fairfield and my dad in Bridgeport. And uh, split my time. Mm-hmm. Now, in the dance world at this time, uh, words was there were there many men in in a ballet class? Um, well, in a way, my I mean, I'd say the most famous dancer in the world is is uh, Mikhail Baryshnikov, who is a man. So I had I had an idea that men were out there doing ballet. Uh, Fred Astaire, Gregory Hines, you know, there there was a lot of male dance available. But uh, my school was actually really well known for having a lot of male students. So we did a lot of crazy lifts and partner work. And it was sort of almost circusy in a really fun, great way. Uh, so the, the school attracted a lot of, of male dancers, which was exciting and, and I don't know, uh, eased the stigma slightly within the school. But at public school, that's another story. Yes, I bet. I bet. Because I can only imagine, I mean, I'm older than you, but I know when I was taking ballet and I, I took ballet and then modern and was in a, a small company and it was, there were just a few, you know, few males and they really mostly hung out with us because it was this, I get, like you said, in high school, it was really a, a tough <laughs> environment to be doing something different when you weren't like the athlete. I mean, I think things have really opened up in that regard, but I'm just curious as a professional, if that had ever been something that was, that you had to work through. Well, I mean, honestly, it sucked. People were horrible and people are horrible unless you are the popular jock. Um, So. But look at you now, right? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, yeah, it, yeah, ain't that the way? I mean, usually it's like peak too soon and you're screwed. So yeah. I'm happy to be a late bloomer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. It it bothered me, but I also found my people. You know, like I was, I was always going to be different, no matter what I got myself into. But I was lucky enough to find something that was creative, engaged my brain, uh, helped me be physically fit and gave me the community that I was missing. Is most of your community of friends, uh, are most of them dancers? Well, honestly, my best friends, yes, because we spend so much time together in the studios. Um, But living in New York City, you just create a vast network of awesome people. and, And I'm lucky to have great friends here. And across the world, honestly, and a lot of the a lot of the international ones are dancers in other dance companies, like in London, Paris. It's it's really fabulous. I bet you all are really there for each other right now, in particular. I mean, at least you have this like camaraderie, this 
that you're all in it together. And even though you're not practicing together and seeing each other, I'm, I'm sure that helps. I know in my yoga community, it helps. I'm, I'm on the union committee. I'm one of the committee members. So we are doing everything we can to make sure that people are provided for during this time and that no one is, is uh, completely left behind. But it's been really difficult because much of our company is foreign dancers. You know, we have people from all over the world. It's really an incredible mix of people. Um, and, you know, it's, we're young. It's like a young group and people can't just sit around and not work here. Um, so people have had to go back home, go back overseas, back to Asia. And, uh, and that, it just breaks my heart. You're, it looks, I mean, from what I was observing and from what Kim, we have a mutual friend for those of you who are listening that um, introduced us, has told me you're a real activist. I mean, in all, for, for, who, for whoever needs it. Um, whoever has been marginalized or oppressed. And it was looking a little bit diving into some of your um, posts. And I know that you're very outspoken for the LGBTQ um, community. But I was surprised to find that, that, um, that, again, in the dance world, that that is still a marginalized community. Can you speak to a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. You know, ballet is a really traditional classical art form. So uh, the problem is making space for change. And that goes across all marginalized people and, and just getting outside of the idea of what we think ballet is uh, when it's actually so much more and can be so much more. So as far as, I mean, I'm a gay man, so I have, I've fought my own battle and my battle is, is lesser than the battles that many other people face. Um, so I'm in a great position right now. I'm, I'm one of the leaders of, of my world. Uh, so I have to not suck basically and step up and just make things happen. Um, and while I'm not a director, I can still use my voice to inspire people to think a little differently and to just hopefully not suck quite as much. So what would be the steps to that? Like not sucking the action steps that you, like if you could just paint the picture of, of, of the environment, the ecosystem that you would like to see in place in the ballet world that is welcoming and that is not discriminating in any way. What, what would that look like? Uh, I think it also begins with the stories we tell. I mean, I, I dance for American Ballet Theater, emphasis on the theater. We do stories, amazing stories, Giselle, Swan Lake, Sleeping Beauty, Romeo and Juliet. But when I look at those stories, they don't represent American culture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what? not only do we need more queer stories and, and space for trans dancers, but we also need to understand that we can't just be telling straight white stories 24-7. Uh, and I think the way to enact change is to lead by just extreme example. Make these changes and make them right now. Um, because then it'll trickle down and you'll, you'll inspire young people across all walks of life to pick up some dance shoes and get in a studio. And then generationally, we'll have this beautiful mix of things going on that represents the true meaning of being an American. Did you ever see Head Over Heels on Broadway? No, I didn't. Oh, oh too bad. It's now closed. But my best friend's wife wrote it. And it is 
you'll have to now hear more about it because it was really about completely shattering that heteronormative storyline. And this, this, and it was, you know, it brought in the Go-Go's, um, some of their songs. That's why it's called We Got the Beat. I mean, I'm Head Over Heels, but they start with We Got the Beat. And I mean, it has, you know, transgender, it has binary, it has the, the main character um, really discovers that um, she is gay. And it's just this, it was really super, super well-received. Mm. Um, in the is game. there a place I can watch this? Is it on YouTube or anything? You could probably see it on YouTube. Yes, it was, you know, it was, it did really, really well, but it was another example of like, it was well-received by a, like super well-received, super popular in this small group of people and just getting the funding for it. Well, you know how it is when you're on Broadway. It's like, you need constant money coming in from sponsors and all that. And I mean, it's hard regardless. It's not just maybe that it was this storyline, but it had such a hold on people that, um, you know, and, and a lot of people in Broadway are growing, you know, coming from the Midwest and, you know, uh, have the storylines of those classical pieces. And so this was, even with them, very well received, but still challenging for on the, you know, on at the beginning. But yeah, you'll have to, you'll have to check that out because it would be right up your alley because it was just, it was just beautiful. It was like, love is love. And, and it's this, it was, it was, it was amazing. Well, the special thing about what we do is we tell a million stories. So right now we're telling a million of the same stories, which is psychotic in my opinion. Boring, boring, right. And you're just leaving people out. And then anybody that's not falling into that tiny little box, um, the repetitive, (laughs) oh yeah, sorry, pathway. Story, you know, they are you're left off. So, so yes, yes, exactly. You want to say box, but I think the main issue, honestly, is to prove that it's lucrative because it all ends up coming down to money. It does, and that was why the head of your hills. I really brought that up because that was really a big part of it. And again, it was hard to tease out exactly the reason, but it was very popular. It had a huge, huge opening and and huge run for like four months, and then it started to like you know waver a little bit. But it was, yeah, it is. Everything comes down to money. Unfortunately, we see the, 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 everything we live in now is um, kind of like we're brainwashed into the things we need. It's because big corporations are brainwashing us that we need it. And so we have to just, you know, that's what my bigger hope. And I think all of us um, who are trying to find some silver lining is maybe this is a huge virus in our world and our, in our, you know, that is, um, shaking the shit up and uh, things will fall in a different, it's like, we'll reorient, recalibrate and, and hopefully come back together in a, in a way that is much more inclusive. Of course, right now it feels the opposite, but perhaps getting there is, is, you know, this, this trudge that we have to do and in shaking up the norm. Yeah. It's, it's hard work and it's, it's worth it. (laughs) It is worth it. So let me talk about your body and your movement and and whatnot. Like, so you were saying you literally when before COVID nineteen you were like moving all the time. As a male dancer, what what is how how is that different? What are the demands or like the overuse things that you might experience that would be different than the female co parts? 
Well, I, for one, adore going to the gym. So right now I really, I'm stressed out because I love going to the gym. I love lifting weights. It makes me feel good. It makes me look cute. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so I'm super bummed. I can't get into that right now. Uh, but that sort of activity gets me uh, ready for all the extreme pot de dough work that I do, the partnering. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm lifting women over my head all day, every day. And I've got to stay able to do that. And I like to do it well. So I, I try to stay strong. Um, and some of the injuries that I deal with just from being a male dancer, I think generally are from jumping more than, than the female dancers. Um, a lot of the male solos that we do are just like a minute and a half of jumping around. Yeah. It's like extreme plyo. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So you have to, I, 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 well, actually I get patellar tendonitis, which sucks, but, um, I've really learned how to deal with it. Uh, I get massages. I ice. I yeah. I do. There's a great little machine called iontophoresis, which delivers mm-hmm. anti-inflammatories directly into my patellar tendon. And so I do that if it's like if my knees are just throbbing. Uh, but yeah, overall, I am a healthy individual, and I am grateful for it. That's amazing because I, you know, I'm a physical therapist, and my style of yoga is really about sustainable movement, which, you know, these, the repetitive movement that both female and male dancers or athletes in general, you guys are athletes. I mean, that's, there are, there, you're already set up for some degree of injury, or at least like you're talking about, like this kind of like tweakiness that just, that's more annoying than, than a severe like injury. And it is interesting because with the women that I've worked with, the women dancers, like it's so much in their hips, the excessive range of motion and over time. But I look at the males and I look at like, yeah, you're, you, you're just like the Uber athlete. I mean, Uber, because you're, you know, you're using your upper body and you're using, like you said, your, your lower body. And it's interesting, patellar tendonitis. Have you ever had anything with your Achilles? Because that's such a, springboard for the push-off and the landing no i haven't i mean calves achilles feet no problem no problem it's the only thing i've really dealt with long term is patellar tendonitis yeah. um yeah which is a pain yeah, in like the knee for that as well do you guys have like do dancers have your own physical therapist uh american ballet theater has a great P- pt team we have uh, massage therapists that we work with regularly that are just amazing. Um, yeah, they try really hard to keep us on stage. Yeah. Okay, so I have to ask about your music because I also was blown away that you are, well, you're a comedian because I saw some of your Tuesday things too, which was hilarious, especially the one you're talking to your cat. I was like, this is priceless because I've always been a cat person and yeah, it's like, so what's it like to be a cat? And the cat's just like, F off. You know? <laughs> I'll get back to you when I feel like it. Um, yeah, so for those who don't know, um, she's talking about this character that I created called Shannon Bobannon. And she's a news anchor, but it's just, it's basically poking fun at the news and, and just how absurd investigative reporting can be and takes any subject and, you know, dives into it. And she holds a turkey baster as her microphone. Just horrible makeup. It's really just silly and fun. 
It's so fun. So like, for instance, how did you come up with that idea? Honestly, I have no freaking clue. I know. I think... What was the, I did the, this happens, right? It's like all the... Stuff, I have no idea. Yeah. I think the first one I did was for Valentine, Valentine's Day because Valentine's Day just cracks me up generally. And yeah. so I... I did this thing on Inst- on my Instagram page where it was like, you know, every news network today. And it I did a fake news report about how, you know, all the restaurants are too busy and like everyone's getting chocolates. I don't know. It was stupid, but right. people really loved it. So I was like, oh, I'll do a little series. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah, listen, we need to laugh now. So keep it up. Amen. And keep interviewing your cat. How many cats do you have? One? Just one. Just one. I know. When you get it, I have one now too. I've always like, I went from four to two and then I got a new set, you know, when those two died. Mm -hmm. And then now I'm down to one and his name is Mo and he is, we we rescued him from the Dominican Republic. And he's, I always say he's got like the street cat, like, but he's just, he's got some grit. He's not a laid back cat. Like I love every, but it's like the minute I walk in the room, it's like, I'm going to be everything's about him and am I paying attention and he'll start knocking shit over if I'm not. (laughs) Cats are so funny. I feel like I was a cat in a past life. I just so relate to them. Like I want to come up to you when I'm ready. And I have a dog too, which who I just adore, but I'm, I'm really a cat person. I feel like I love their just sensibility, you know, just like, they're so cool. I haven't met a not cool cat. You know, it's just like they have, they like were born in this coolness. And I feel like movement is the type of movement I like is very feline. I think dance is very feline. It's like dancers are the ultimate, I mean, felines are the ultimate dancers. You know, they just have this like ability to do all this stuff. So finally, I want to hear about your music. Like, how did you get in? Were you always into singing? I've, when I listened to your um, what is it? Jungle boom or something like that? Jungle D work. Yeah. I mean, it's nonsense. <laughs> but I mean, it's kind of like, how would you describe it? It's it's like a little bit rap meets. Yeah. It's like, like 70s pop. Yeah. Uh, I, I wouldn't, it, it's sort of a standalone thing, which is either good or bad, depending on what you like. But I started making music under the name JB Dubs, which is a play on my initials, J for James. B for Bruce, which is my middle name, and Dubs for W, so Dubs Mm -hmm. for Whiteside. Um, And I just, I've always been fascinated by music production and writing. I always kept a journal and wrote poetry and lyrics and things when I was a teenager. And when I got my first computer, uh, I started playing with the music production program on it. And that was really that. And so I've been making music videos and albums and things, and people seem to really dig it. It's it's pretty niche, though. <laughs> it is pretty niche, and it's pretty tough. But it, how fun to like! I've been really into music as well, and I think that comes from like when you're creative and dancing and all that. Um, I always felt like I could be a DJ because I just didn't like the amount of time I invest on a playlist in my yoga practice. And I have this. It's funny because I have this. Um, yoga class called fire, which is brings in a little bit like high intensity training and Kundalini. And one of the songs was the Whitney Houston one that you played. I saw this on your Instagram. I'm like, we're destined to be friends because that is not an unusual, that particular version, that mix is not, it's such a good mix. And I do this whole thing where dun, 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 like 
oh my gosh. I'm like, we need to do, this could be really fun. We should do something where we're just, because dance is, it's freeze some of your shit for sure. It's just like, it sheds some of that, you know, that we feel. But I think it would be really fun to do some kind of collaboration, which is just like to, to emit joy. And I'm like, nothing like, nothing like an angry woman's song to like get you going. I just love that song too. And that version. So maybe we should do that. That'd be so fun. I'm down. Wouldn't that be fun? Just like get people moving. It doesn't matter what you look like. You know, it's just like, you don't have, like just move your body, feel it moving. And it like, you do that for one minute to that song and there's no way you don't feel better. It's just like the best medicine around. Yeah, you got to get moving. I can't tell you how much better I feel when I do, like when I do my Instagram classes now during this quarantine period. Uh, so I don't know the difference between days that I don't have a class and I do. Like I feel so much better after moving. I'm like, oh, okay, absolutely. I've accomplished something. I have my blood moving, my brain activated. And yeah, I just feel better. So it, it organizes everything. It really does. It really organizes everything. So, before we sign off, I'd love to hear like, let's assume we're going to go back to normal sooner than later. But what, what do you, what do you want for yourself and like your goals, your vision for the world and you in it in the next like three to five years? Like, do you plan out like that? Or are you just kind of like living moment to moment? Well, I mean, I can tell you some of the things that I've been working on that I think really speak to that. Well, I, I love making music. So I think anytime anybody does something creative, they're also going to feel better. So that's two things, activity and creativity Absolutely. really feed the soul. Um, so I've been writing, I'm, I have a book coming out next year. Um, I have a new, a new album coming out July 27th, which is my birthday. What are you a cancer baby? Oh, no, I'm a Leo. Oh, you're Leo. Oh, that's right. You're my best. So my best friend I was telling you about. Um, she's also a Leo, tw- the 28th. Um, but you're kind of on the cusp. But anyway, yeah. Um, yeah, so once those things are out, you know, I just want to get back on stage. I'm dying for some applause. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? That adoration, that like just affirmation. It's amazing. Well, you're giving energy and you're getting it back. It's like It's like a complete, it's like a tennis game where you just are receiving something, but you're also giving. It's so amazing. There's probably, it's probably quite addictive, I would imagine. I think there's going to be a huge clamoring for live theater when this is all over. I'm hoping it ends at some point. I hope it's not just indefinite, but uh, I don't want to never say never, you know? Um, I, I but I think, I think it's going to be incredible once once we get back into the theater, the audience is just going to eat it up. We're going to eat it up and it's going to be a good feast. Yeah, there's going to be a renewed sense of gratitude for 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 this um, witness of live artistry. There's nothing like it live. There's nothing, whether it's, you know, theater or dance or um, all of it. So what is your book about? My book is a collection of essays based on my training, uh, my professional career, my music, uh, the boys I've dated, you name it, friendship. It's all over the map and it's going to be funny and sexy and accidentally inspiring. So yeah, it's been so fun doing that because I've got time. So why not? So what would you say to like your younger self? Is there anything that you've in this, if, if you were speaking through this book, 
something that might help somebody else at that same age? Anything you would say to like your younger 15-year-old to 20-year-old self? I'd say get a mentor. Um, I, I felt a little just like throwing spaghetti at a wall, which is something I've heard a lot recently. I don't know. I, I didn't feel terribly focused. And I wish I had found somebody to really just like drag me in the right direction. Um, I had a lot of people guiding me, um, but almost like a, a person to show me the like business side of, of the arts. Mm. Because um, the art I've got, the business I'm still working on. <laughs> um, but on top of that, of course, all the, all the normal stuff, like be nice, you know, use your brain, all that good stuff. But I've said all that before. Yeah. I, I think you probably had that already. You seem like a, you seem like a really confident um, individual and that certainly helps. Even though we develop that with, uh, you know, in adulthood, you can still see people who didn't get it in childhood and still act like children because they aren't yet. They haven't found that yet. Well, I've always been delusional. What can I say? <laughs> hey, better to be pride and proud and delusional <laughs> than insecure and wimpy. Um, so where can people find you? I know a lot, you have a huge following, but tell everybody in, in my audience who might not be able know where you are. Where can everyone find you? Um, well, I'd say follow me on Instagram at James B. Whiteside and on TikTok at James B. Whiteside. You can find me on Facebook, James Whiteside. And you can listen to my music on Spotify under JB Dubs. Yeah, it's really fun music. It's really great. I already downloaded some for my playlist in yoga. Amazing. There's, they're quite... Um, they're quite explicit, so be careful. Yeah, no, I know. I was listening, and I'm going to listen carefully. But I, I listened to a few of the other ones, and I thought that I thought that the um, the one I did is going to be okay. Awesome, <laughs> amazing! Oh my gosh, thanks so much. It was so great to meet you. Well, I would love to be able to do some movement with you sometime. So let's let's talk about that. Nothing like sweating together to like bring us together and make us feel better. So thank you so much, and everyone listening, thank you. And as always, I'm pulling for you. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland, and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness, and they come in five different flavors. They're so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I just, I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you. 